Welcome to Nature Centered, a podcast from Wild Birds Unlimited about feeding the birds and enjoying nature right in your own backyard. Here are your hosts, naturalists John Schaust and Brian Cunningham. Welcome, everybody. Hey, another episode of Nature Center, and we are excited to beat the band today because we're going to be talking about woodpeckers, nature's original tree huggers. And man, not only do they hug trees, they pound on trees, they eat their food from trees, they just do about everything they want to from trees. So, Brian, how's the uh, woodpecker activity at your place? Oh, man, right now the woodpecker activity is through the roof. It's fantastic. You know, I got dad woodpeckers flying around and hitting the feeders throughout the day. Really cool, though. Mom woodpeckers are coming off the nest in the evenings and coming to get a bite for themselves. So just so much fun watching all this activity. Yeah, nesting is a big, big thing right now. Just about every woodpecker my, that comes to my feeders is uh, sitting on eggs at some point or maybe even raising their young. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about all the cool things that woodpeckers, they are one of the most perfectly adapted birds uh, that are out there anywhere. Uh, we're going to talk about how to attract them to your yard. And we're also going to have, as usual, a fun kids activity. So stick around for the fun as we talk woodpeckers. fun i tell you woodpeckers they are so cool oh i love the woodpeckers and again you know i love all sorts of birds but <laughs> woodpeckers are like in the, it's, it's a league of their own you know you know and one of the cool things about them some birds like goldfinches come and go you see them for a while and then you disappear from your feeders and then they show back up are the birds are seasonal woodpeckers are literally i think one of our most loyal backyard bird feeders they're there all the time you know 365 every year and and they're really they're really so amazingly adapted to the life they live um i i go back a ways and uh one of the things that uh, i remember back in the mid 70s was a movie called jaws about a great white shark that goes on a rampage off the coast of new england and uh everybody just that was like the first mega movie you know that blockbuster and everybody talked about all the magazines came out with things on the great white shark and how amazing the adaptations are perfect eating machine you know perfectly adapted for the life it lives well i'm here today to kind of make a campaign that woodpeckers are actually probably one of the most perfectly adapted birds to live the life they live Interesting claim, John. A very interesting. Claim. <laughs> but, but, okay, okay. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. Right. We'll see if we make our point today, Brian. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, but it's been a blast in my yard this spring. I have had seven different woodpeckers at my feeders this spring so far. I've had downies and aries and red bellies and pileated and northern flicker. And for a while during migration, I had yellow-bellied sapsuckers and I had red-headed woodpeckers. So seven different species at my feeders. That's, that's only one or two more than me, so maybe a little jealousy I've had, I've had before, but not this year. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love having them come in and just watching their behaviors. And you, know, you look across North America, and there are like 22 different species of woodpeckers in this family group. Um, and two of those are in the, what would break down a little bit more into the flickers, which flickers, uh, the northern flicker, gilded flicker, uh, just kind of in a, a league of their own, a little bit set apart from some of the other woodpeckers. And then you got this other little group that's set apart too, the sapsuckers. And um, 
sapsuckers. I mean, <laughs> special adaptations, and they, they really do what their name is called. They're, they're, they're sucking on sap that they're drawn from the trees. It's really, really cool. And to see, uh, you know, out of all these 22 different woodpeckers, uh, a lot of them will come to feeders, um, come to our backyards, and you can attract them in. And you're going to find pretty much if there are some woods around, you're going to find woodpeckers. They're all over the place. We know they, they love insects. You know, like we're talking nature's original tree huggers. And they're, they're clinging onto those trees and they're working the trees. They live in the trees. They live around the trees. It's all about the trees. But there are some specializations and some specific things that maybe some specializing in foods that aren't insects. Um, some of the, the birds will do that. And, you know, one of our most abundant woodpeckers and most adaptable are also one of the smallest of all the woodpeckers, that downy woodpecker. And I like the name, downy, very small. And they can be found all across North America, from Florida to Alaska, from Southern California, all the way up into Newfoundland. So just wide, wide range of just this one species. And a couple others are somewhat wide ranging as well but yeah but if you if you've got woods you've got downies right oh pretty much and pretty much <laughs> anywhere you live if you've got woods you've got downies yeah what's so much fun is themselves it, all the time and their diet is so amazing brian as you yeah. well know that's i think i saw a research paper recently talked about over 40 different types of insects that they feed on everything from beetles to ants to aphids and weevils and bigger insects like katydids and crickets so amazing variety in their diet. Uh, but of course, most beetles, or mo I should say most woodpeckers feed on, for the most part, three main foods. And that's like beetle larvae that live inside of trees and termites that also live inside of trees and carpenter ants that live inside of trees. So one of, the, one of the natural questions is, you see a woodpecker land on a tree and start pounding away to go get its food. How do they know where the insect is on the inside of the tree what you know they could pound all over the tree and just at random but that would take them all day and they wouldn't be very successful so there must be something that's telling them that on the other side of that wood that they're getting ready to chop through there's an insect you know it's fun to watch them i've pondered that for years watching them how do they know how are they going to find that insect right there uh, the more i've watched them the more i've come to realize as well as reading some research papers that they do have a few different ways that they're figuring out where to find food and just super fascinating that um, you know when they're tapping on some on trees or on wood a lot of times if you watch they have different ways of tapping and some it's a lighter some it's a stronger uh, they actually can hear little echoes off of the tunnels or the galleries that's inside of wood whether the, the ants have chewed little galleries or even little wood boring beetles uh, or bark beetles when you go tap on that that tree they can hear those little galleries so that's one way i know they can do it just by the sound <laughs> so so brian you mentioned galleries is that where they're hanging their artwork or what what exactly is a gallery <laughs> yeah you know it's no it's not where the artwork is hanging it's the tunnels that they're burrowing through and the ants are making or the wood boring beetles as they are working through the wood and and consuming it, they're actually making tunnels or galleries. You know, one of the coolest things too that to have happened to you is if you're in a very quiet woods, and you know, one of my favorite things to do is literally go out into a woods and, and uh, just sit down for an hour or two and just watch everything go on. And I've done that a number of times. And if you're really paying attention, you suddenly hear this little little chewing sounds. 
And I some of these, that. yeah, some of some of these larvae, these beetle larvae, are big enough that when they're digging their tunnels through the the, the wood to get to the uh, you know the, the food portion, the sap wood, if you will, that they're eating on, uh, the bottom line is you can hear them. So guess what? Woodpeckers can hear them too, and that's one of the ways that they key in on the right location on the tree to start digging down through the tree to get the beetle larva. Oh yeah, I sat on a log one time. It was a, a downed pine, and I, I started hearing that chewing. It was the first time I'd ever heard it. <laughs> first time you have that, it's like what? <laughs> like something's not right here. You know, there's another way. Woodpeckers, um, there's they have a good sense of smell, and, and we've been able to establish that. Um, and so one of the theories, too, is that when woodpeckers are foraging around, they can be smelling for their food. And um, one of the cool things is I'm a woodpecker and I start smelling sweet tarts. <laughs> food might be nearby. <laughs> yeah, Sweet tarts, kind of a weird thing to think about. But yeah, um, yeah. formic acid smells kind of like sweet tarts. You're like, where's formic acid coming from? Well, uh, different ants, bark beetles and termites, actually, they excrete formic acid just naturally and so that's one of those series maybe they're smelling them too yeah one of the little interesting side notes on that at my understanding is that early plywood you know where they glue together different layers of thin yes. thin wood to make a, a, a laminate piece of plywood uh that the early glues actually had some formic acid in it and because of that, the woodpeckers were being fooled and they're smelling this formic acid on the side of your house and under the underlayment on the plywood. And they were being drawn into people's houses because of that. So, so what I'm hearing you say, no one was happy. The woodpeckers. <laughs> yeah, they were, they were coming up empty and the household owner had a lot of holes in their house. One of my favorite birds, and I just went earlier, the sap suckers, you know, you yellow-bellied sap sucker. It's, for years, I, before I got into birding when I was very, very young, it's like, what? There really is a yellow-bellied sap sucker? But yeah, there really are. And they truly do drink sap. And this spring here at my house, it was fantastic. I've got a number of maple trees in my yard. And they come through mostly on migration here in central Indiana. And you can see the pattern of holes. It's almost like somebody took a... a set of uh, drills and just went side to side to side to side, just a straight line right around the tree to make the, the little sap wells. They just a little round, about the size of an eraser on a pencil, uh, and about as deep as that too. And they dig down in the bark and then the sap then wells up and they drink the sap. And then the insects that maybe are attracted to that sap, uh, they also come back and eat those insects. And one of the really cool things about it is they're not the only ones. Once they're, they're, they're like opening the grocery store because once those sap wells are filling with sap, uh, very cool this spring again, I uh, was able to watch red belly woodpeckers come in and visiting the sap suckers holes, the, the hairy woodpecker, downy woodpecker, and even watched yellow rumped warblers coming back and hitting uh, habitually day after day, hitting those sap wells uh, that the yellow bellied sap sucker had made. You know, I've even seen hummingbirds. Yeah, yeah, the sap yeah, and even eat some of the smaller insects that are attracted to that sap as well. So, I love that you said it's like opening the grocery store, yeah, yeah. So, really, really neat that they're doing that. Uh, another adaptation in the woodpecker world would be the flickers. And you, you're used to seeing all these. We said, if you have woods, these tree huggers are all over these, these trees. Well, the northern flicker actually, about 75% of the time, forages on the ground. And because they love ants, and um, that's where you're going to find a lot of these ants. You know, you're going to have some in the trees, but even more live on the ground. So, 
seeing flickers on the ground, say a woodpecker down there is sometimes a little kind of catches you by surprise. And I know that uh, pileated woodpeckers as well really love trees that are down on the ground because they can find all sorts of beetles and ants up in there. Yeah. So a wide variety of fruit, food from insects to, you know, sap to ants on the ground, uh, even red belly woodpeckers uh, and a number of the other woodpeckers actually eat fruit. Uh, they'll find different types of fruit. I've had a really cool thing this year. We uh, talked about Orioles recently and I've got oranges out from my Orioles and my red belly, I've got two pairs of nesting red belly in my, uh, uh, you send them in and they're coming to my feeders to eat the oranges. They're hitting the oranges day in and day out that are out originally for the Orioles. So that's been kind of cool to see. But the vast majority of these birds, and <laughs> another title for our show today, could have been, you know, woodpeckers, uh, nature's original headbangers, uh, because most of them do make their living by, you know, pounding holes in trees to find insects that are living inside those trees. And you know, it's amazing how, how the speed and the, and the force, uh, they've done the research. Uh, they're hitting that tree at 13 to 15 miles an hour. And, you know, they'll do as many as 100 strokes in, in just a couple of minutes. It's, a, it's an incredible feat. And if you think about us, you know, a, a marathon runner runs at about 13 miles an hour. Can you imagine if a marathon runner ran into a telephone pole head first? Uh, it would not be a pretty sight at all. Uh, so how can this woodpecker pound in a tree hundreds of times over and over and over and over again? And it's it's uh, somewhere around the, I think I've seen 10 G-forces uh, of power yes, that they're hitting that tree with. So the fact that they can survive that, wow. So one of the things they, that woodpeckers have in their head is a lot of flexible cartilage in between all of the, the bones of the skull and to that is acting like a little shock absorber in there and giving a nice cushion with every blow that they're doing. Yeah and their skull is really unique in the bird world in the sense of it's uh, it's a kind of a softer spongier bone and it's kind of air filled so it literally acts as kind of a shock absorber uh, to absorb some of that energy that's coming off the, the bill when it's being uh, pounded into the tree and one of the coolest things is you know, uh, we, our brain and our skull, we have a lot of brain fluid cushions and, and causes our, allows our brain to slosh around just a little bit. And, and, and one of the things you'll, you'll hear about is, is prize fighters. Uh, when they get hit in the face, it actually is damaging the back of the skull or the back of the brain because the brain's actually hitting the back of the skull with, with force. Woodpeckers make up for that by having their brain actually the very, very tightly packed into their skull. So there's not hardly any movement. So that it doesn't absorb or doesn't bang against the inside of the skull and get, uh, get damaged. So uh, amazing. It's almost like a, a really, really, really tight football helmet uh, being put on their head. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting. If you're not having, you have that force. And so where is it going? If it's not going to the brain or up in the skull, where it actually ends up going is back and down towards the neck and uh, woodpeckers have really strong and thick neck muscles and those become that shock absorber to take that that pressure and that force and disperse it and mute it down if you will so that way their brain's protected but it's also really cool when they're pecking um, and hitting their head and their body if you really watch are perfectly aligned when they're hitting that tree um, and so when they're doing it slowly and tapping, you can see that. Now when they get a little faster, you might have to uh, video that 
and then slow it down to watch it. I got to do that one time. Uh, Downing Woodpecker was working on a little hole and set up my phone on slow-mo and watched it really going after this little hole. And to see that head and neck and body to be perfectly lined up as it's going. Yeah, they almost look they almost look stiff, don't they? They almost because mm -hmm. yeah. they, they are lined up so much. It's almost like they're very very stiff in their approach. It's like their whole body becomes this jackhammer. Mm -hmm. The bill doing all the work. You ever think about that bill? And if the bill's doing all the work, <laughs> why <laughs> so, do they still have a bill? <laughs> well, that's a great question because you think about. It, I mean, literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. I watched a red belly woodpecker. Uh, making a nesting cavity this this spring and it was just awesome to be able to watch it. I had a perfect view from my back deck of my house and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and pecking away at that nesting cavity and enlarging the hole and then going inside and removing, you know, pecking away and removing the the, uh, the sawdust and the flakes and it's just like, wow, why doesn't that bill eventually just wear down to nothing? Well, it's kind of like fingernails. The, the coating on the outside of the bill uh, is constantly growing. And, and replacing and re rejuvenating itself. Uh, so whatever does wear off gets actually replaced pretty quickly. So it allows them to almost, in a sense, sharpen that bill with every blow because the material is being replaced very, very quickly. So kind of a cool, and it's a darn good thing that they have that too, right? <laughs> oh, yes, indeed. Lots of adaptations there. finding woodpecker tail feathers on the ground because they are so different than any other songbird. Those, those, you've seen those, right, John? That nice, oh, absolutely. Stiff tail and a lot of times almost comes down to a point yeah. and it's, it's almost like pencil strong. These things are incredibly strong, but it's all about being able to provide that extra support when they're on the tree. I always think of it as like a, you know, you see the, the linemen that climb the telephone poles and they have the little spikes on the uh, on their boots that they can oh, climb yeah. up the pole with. It's almost like that spike tail of the uh, woodpeckers are, are doing the exact same thing, helping them stay on the tree when they're pounding away. But uh, I got a question. So the tongue of a woodpecker, it, the very tip of it is barbed uh, and it's actually kind of sensitive. They can feel with it. Uh, the barbs are actually pointing backwards so that when they put the tongue into the hole, uh, it almost acts like a brush. If they go past a, a beetle larva or a ant or termite, then when they pull it back in, it brushes uh, anything out of the tunnel uh, or the gallery and brings it back into their mouth. And it's actually even kind of sticky. The, the, the saliva on the tongue is very sticky. But how far in, and you think about it, if I'm opening up a gallery as a woodpecker, I got to be able to get pretty far in there. So how long is that tongue anyway? I've been able to see some study skins on that and some illustrations. And it's, that is fascinating. Just to see a woodpecker tongue in and of itself is just absolutely like you're describing. Amazing to see. But that tongue has to be able to reach into those gallery tunnels and can be two to three times longer than their bill. And when I heard that the first time, I'm like, then where do they keep their tongue? <laughs> Two to three times longer. Where in the head is this tongue lying? But it's, it's really, it's more about that tongue can stretch out, but when it retracts back and, you know, kind of bunches up, it's kind of like a muscle that elongates and then contracts back. But it wraps actually uh, going back into the mouth, around the jaw, up around the back of the head, and then 
attaches with these really long and specialized tendons to the skull, usually down towards the nostrils. And if you think about a bird head, the nostrils are down towards the front and top of the bill where the bill attaches to the skull. So that tongue, the muscles and tendons are actually wrapping from the mouth and going almost full circle around the skull. So, <laughs> I don't, don't, even, see why that I don't even want to think about what would happen if we had tongues like that, but we won't go there. <laughs> But you, you mentioned the nostrils and the fact that it basically originally the tongue is anchored uh, down by the nostrils. Um, woodpeckers have all kinds of things to protect themselves. It's almost like you go to OSHA and you get the list of all the safety equipment that you have to have and you put this all on to do your job. Well, woodpeckers have adapted, have developed these adaptations uh, to have all this safety equipment. And one of the cool things is their nostrils. Uh, you know, most birds, you can see the little holes in the top of the bill. Uh, back toward the, the uh, base of the bill. Uh, and uh, woodpeckers, you really don't see them very well, if at all. And that's because they've adapted to having lots of little feathers. They almost look like hairs, to be honest with you, but they're just modified feathers that stick out over those nostrils. Because if you're pounding away on a tree all day and there's wood chips flying everywhere, the last thing I want to do is suck one of those down my nose. <laughs> uh, so, so I've got little filters that are on top of my nose uh, with those little feathers, modified feathers. So very, very cool. Oh, indeed. Yeah, I've, I've spent a lot of time in labs and, and construction areas uh, and eye protection is required. I do a lot of work and I've gotten really used to wearing eye protection and woodpeckers, if you're working on that tree and those chips are flying, you know, how do you protect your eyes but still see what you're doing? Uh, really, really cool thing. They have what's called that nictating membrane or that third eyelid. You know, I love some of those scientific terms, biological terms. <laughs> nictating membrane. Uh, what? You know, you say that third eye. It's not really a third eye. It's a third eyelid. You know, they're, they're not saying into a different dimension here, but it's like this clear or opaque, kind of like safety glasses that while they're not blinking, this thing actually sort of blinks for them or goes over their, their eyes and acts as a protection. We could go on. Literally, we could go on for a long, long time. There's so many adaptations. Um, we've tried to give you some ideas on the ones that are really the most useful to the woodpeckers and the type of life they lead. Uh, and, you know, getting these birds in your backyard is the best way to watch some of the adaptations and, and behaviors that we've been talking about. And as I was mentioning earlier, they're some of the most loyal birds. Once you get them coming to your backyard, you're going to keep them. Uh, you're going to keep them not only, you know, uh, year in and year out, you're going to keep them throughout the entire season, every season, and uh, they're going to be very, very uh, loyal to your feeder and feeding station. And it could go on for a long time. Now, the average, the average lifespan of uh, most of our woodpeckers is somewhere between 9 and, and or the record lifespan, I should say, is between 9 and 15 years old. You kind of got to take about half that for the average lifespan. So four, seven, seven and a half. Uh, but that's still a long time. The same woodpecker who your house is part of their home territory is going to be coming to your backyard day in and day out for, you know, anywhere from four, five, seven, if not even up to 15 years. So very, very cool to have them coming. So what do we need to do to get these birds coming to our backyards? So attracting woodpeckers to our backyards, it really can be pretty simple to attract woodpeckers to your yard. Uh, one of the keys is habitat. And if you have trees around, 
then it's it's not going to be as hard as something like an Oriole where you might have to coax it in if you listen to our Oriole podcast. Really, when it comes to woodpeckers, all you have to do is put out some of their favorite foods and the right kinds of feeders so they'll be really comfortable when they come in and approach and start feeding on them. Suet blends, bark butter, are these are two different kinds of suet-based products that woodpeckers really, really love to come into. They'll also come into nuts, peanuts, tree nuts. Um, they love mealworms. Um, some of them, like red bellies, a few others, will come into fruits like oranges or grapes. But those are the kinds of foods to put out. But what's that right way that they want to approach, land, and feed? We want to mimic what they're doing naturally in nature. And there's a the Wild Birds Unlimited tail prop suet feeder is a really, really great way of utilizing like a suet cake kind of style where the birds can come in and land and use their tail like they're propping it on the side of the tree trunk. Um, there are also, there's a suet cylinder log. Yeah, that's, love that's that one. Yeah, that's one of my all-time favorites. It looks like a, we put one of our suet cylinders inside of it, and the outside looks like a log with actual feeding ports uh, where a woodpecker, downy, or red belly, or hairy would have gone in and chopped into a tree. So it's a very natural setting for, for the woodpecker. I love watching the birds on that feeder. It's so yeah. much fun. Um, well, like I said, you, if you have peanuts or tree nuts, you can put them into another feeder like one of our Wild Birds Unlimited EcoClean mesh kinds of feeders. You can even go as simple as using a tray feeder and putting a few of the, their favorite foods out there. They'll land on the side or sometimes inside of it to, to feed on the, the food in there. Very cool. They're really a very easy bird to attract. And, and again, once you get them in your backyard, you can watch uh, so many cool things and, and you can listen. Uh, one of the very, very neat things about woodpeckers is the calls and drumming that they do, which is simply when they're pounding on hollow trees, uh, to declare their territory. They, they establish their territory from other rivals by pounding on the tree and making a sound. We have an activity that'll kind of demonstrate that and something the kids can do. Definitely, I think we have a fun little activity for the kids with this one. And woodpeckers have what I would call is a drumming code. Each species actually has its own drumming code and that can be a variation of the cadence, the pacing, even the volume. Uh, you can once you start really listening, getting used to that, you can start to narrow down or even specifically pick out which bird is drumming by their drumming code. Um, you can check out allaboutbirds.org and listen to the sounds section there for the different drumming codes that they have. So why not do a drumming code game? You know, you could create your own drumming codes or try to imitate other birds. Come up with something, maybe you get to a couple of pencils and tap on some, some different different items around and get some resonance maybe it's a desk a wall a door um, do some practice and come up with your own little drumming code but then share that with others and then go and try to see can you id which which bird i'm imitating or maybe i've come up with my own drumming code can you identify if it's me or not so yeah that's some fun with a drumming code game yeah just for an example why don't we uh, why don't we go ahead and play uh, a downy woodpecker uh, and it's it's call and and it's drumming code. And here, let's listen to the drumming code of what a pileated woodpecker sounds like, and listen and see if you can hear the difference in cadence, spacing, or volume. 
right. So very, very cool. This should be fun. So Brian, did we prove <laughs> the concept that woodpeckers are supremely adapted, uh, much like they promoted the great white shark uh, back in the movies, Jaws, the, to, to live their life, their total adaptations to live their life uh, as well as they do? You know, John, I think so. It's been a lot of fun talking about the day in the life of a woodpecker and their adaptations and even those really specialized customizations and being able to attract them to our yards. Just the joy of, of seeing them come in, listening to them and watching their daily activities. It's been a lot of fun. It has been, absolutely. And for all of us uh, on behalf of here at the Wild Birds Unlimited, uh, we thank you for joining us again on Nature Center. Uh, join us next time. Uh, we plan to talk about bluebirds, but as always, we'll let nature be our guide. So take care and be safe. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of Nature Centered. To subscribe to this podcast, for show notes, or to connect with the Wild Birds Unlimited store nearest you, visit wbu.com podcast. Until we meet again, take some time to relax, enjoy the birds, get out in your backyard, and stay nature-centered.